This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And a very pleasant good morning, everybody. As always, good to be back with you. This is the Marlins Rewind. And last night at Lone Depot Park and yesterday afternoon, the Marlins played their first ever traditional day-night doubleheader in Miami at Lone Depot Park. We've got everything to recap for you. We'll start with game one yesterday. Jesus Lazardo went opposite of Kyle Muller. And the recap, as always, here is Glenn Geffner. Back with you here at Lone Depot Park. Game one of today's day-night doubleheader goes to the Braves. 5-2 the final score. Atlanta's won the first two games of this series after taking a 4-3 victory here in the opener last night. We'll do it again coming up at 7-10 tonight. Ian Anderson for the Braves, and we'll find out shortly we would anticipate who's going to start for the Marlins. In game one, Jesus Luzardo started against Kyle Muller, a couple of lefties. And this game was scoreless into inning number four. When the Braves finally broke through against Luzardo, Austin Riley led off with a single with one out William Contreras, a single putting men at first and second. Robbie Grossman then a base hit, and the Braves had the bases loaded with one out against Jesus Luzardo, but the rookie second baseman, Von Grissom, hit a ground ball to third base. Charles LeBlanc came home, got the force out on Riley at the plate for the second out, so the bases remained loaded with two down, and Luzardo had a chance to escape but he ran the count full, three balls and two strikes to the terrific rookie center fielder, Michael Harris II. 3-2 runners go, Harris takes just inside, ball four. So Luzardo walks in a run, it's 1-0 Atlanta. Missed with the changeup, so the bases were still loaded. Braves up 1-0 for the catcher, Chadwick Tromp, making his Braves debut today. On 1-1, Trump line drive over the third baseman, LeBlanc down the left field line. That's going to score two and make it 3-0 Braves. It'll be a double for Chadwick Trump in his Braves debut. The number three catcher is two for two, two doubles, now two RBIs. No, we'd hear from Chadwick Trump again a little bit later. 3-0 Atlanta into the bottom of the fourth inning. To the Marlins' credit, they came right back, though Miguel Rojas led off with a single and with one out was still standing at first base for the designated hitter, Jesus Aguilar. Long hold by Muller. It'll be a 3-2 to Aggie, and Aggie gets into one deep down the left field line, way back at the wall. Goodbye! It's a two-run homer for Jesus Aguilar, and the Marlins are back in this one at 3-2. For Aggie, number 14 on the season, RBIs 45 and 46. Unfortunately, that is as close as the Marlins will get in this game. In the very next half inning, top of the fifth, Luzardo's final inning, two outs, nobody on against the first-year Braves first baseman, Matt Olson. 3-1 pitch to Olson is in the air left center. Well hit, Williams going back onto the track, and that ball is out of here into recess sports lounge. Matt Olson goes the other way. It's the first time this year a lefty has an extra base hit, let alone a home run against Luzardo, and the Braves go up 4-2. to two. For Olsen, his second home run in the series, number 23 in the season, RBI number 72, and Atlanta had one of those two runs back 
That would be it for Luzardo in the fifth inning. Allowed four runs on seven hits, walked two, struck out six, surrendered that Matt Olson home run through 92 pitches, 57 strikes. The Braves starter Kyle Muller also threw after five. He surrendered two runs on three hits, had a walk, five Ks, allowed the Aguilar home run. He threw 73 pitches, 51 strikes. Jackson Stevens able to shut the Marlins down in the sixth and seventh innings. For the Marlins, Jeff Brigham did the same to the Braves. Pitched around a two-out double in the sixth inning. He put the first two men on the seventh. Acuna singly stole second. Swanson then worked a walk. But Brigham came back. He struck out Austin Riley, struck out Matt Olson, and he got William Contreras and a comebacker. So this game remained 4-2 Braves into the top of the eighth inning. Robbie Grossman led off with a single. He was racing on a fielder's choice ground ball by Von Grissom with Grissom at first base. Michael Harris at what looked like an inning-ending double play, but the Braves challenged the out call on Harris at first base. The call was overturned on review. So instead of the inning being over, you had a man at first with two down. Harris then stole second, and both the overturn and the stolen base proved rather large with Chadwick Tromp delivering again. On 0-2, Tromp rips one down the left field line. If that's fair, it's trouble. It's a fair ball. Harris is going to score, and Trump is uh, only going to be at first base, hardly running at all. Remember, yeah. they were looking at his leg after his double earlier in the game, back in the fourth inning, and he has stayed behind the plate all afternoon, squatting for every pitch, but he clearly can't run. No, cannot run. But he could swing the bat, and he went three for four in this game. A single, two doubles, three RBIs. That RBI hit made it 5-2 to two Braves, and that's how this one would end. Rysel Iglesias came on in the eighth inning. Joey Wendell pinch hitting for Luke Williams. Single to right toward the right field corner. Ball was cut off by Ronald Acuna Jr. Wendell tried to stretch it into a double, and Acuna threw him out 9-6 to six for the first out. John Birdie then a fly ball to right. Miguel Rojas a pop-up to shortstop, and we went to the ninth. Braves up 5-2. Kenley Jansen came on to slam the door. He had to work for it a little bit. In last night's game, walked a couple. Marlins got the winning man to the plate in the ninth inning against Jansen in the series opener, but today he made very quick work of the Marlins in inning number nine. Got the first out, Garrett Cooper, on a foul ball down the right field line. He then got Jesus Aguilar to pop to second. Now, J.J. Bleday worked a walk, as he did against Jansen last night. Took second in defensive indifference, but with two outs, and the tying man in the on-deck circle, Nick Fortes, hit a fly ball to left. Robbie Grossman made the catch to end this one. And the Braves win it by the final score of 5-2. to two. For Atlanta, five runs, 11 hits, one error, eight left. For the Marlins, two runs, five hits, no errors. They leave four in the game. Kyle Muller, the winning pitcher, he's 1-1. One and one. Jesus Luzardo, the loser, drops to 3-5. and five. Kenley Jansen is now 26 for 30 in save chances. Time of the ball game was three hours and one minute. Braves improved to five and four on their three city eleven game road trip. They lost four of five at City Field last weekend. They then went to Fenway Park, won two straight from the Red Sox, and they've won the first two here in Miami with game two. Our doubleheader coming up tonight in the finale at one forty tomorrow. So Atlanta with the win today, now forty five and nineteen beginning June first. Only the Dodgers a better record in all of baseball. In that span, 45 and 19, a 703 winning percentage beginning June 1st 
if you extrapolate that out, a 703 winning percentage over a full major league season, you're talking about a 114 win pace. That's what the Braves have done over the last 64 games. Atlanta now 68 and 46 overall. Braves improved to 31 and 24 on the road. As for the Marlins, well, they lose for the 11th time in 14 games. Now 11 and 23 in their last 34 games. Marlins in this game held to three runs or fewer for the 13th consecutive game. Last team to do that, the Seattle Mariners back in 2015. If the Marlins fail to score more than three runs in the nightcap, they'll be the first team since the 1979 Chicago Cubs. First team since the 1979 Cubs to go as many as 14 straight games, scoring three runs or fewer. With this loss, the Marlins are 13 games under. That's a new season high, 50-63. and 63. They dropped to 23-30 and 30 here at Lone Depot Park. It's a winning combination, strikeouts and charity. Marlins are committed to fighting cancer in our community and are proud to once again partner this year with AutoNation in support of their Drive Pink initiative. With every strikeout recorded by Marlins pitcher, $25 be donated to charities supporting a cure. Today, a total of 11 Ks by the Miami pitching staff. That's $275 for the season now. 984 strikeouts, $24,600 from the Marlins to AutoNation's Drive Pink initiative. Marlins fall to the Braves 5-2 in Game 1 yesterday afternoon. Fast forward to the nightcap that started at 7-10. Tommy Nance came off the injured list for Miami. He went opposite of the right-hander Ian Anderson of the Braves. And with a recap of Game 2, here is Glenn Geffner. Back here at the end of a long day of baseball at Lone Depot Park. It's a happy day for the Braves, a particularly long day for the Marlins as Atlanta wins both of these contests, taking game one of the doubleheader, 5-2 to two behind Kyle Muller. A home run from Matt Olson, a big two-run double from Chadwick Trump, who drove in three in that first game. Trump had two doubles and three hits. And in the nightcap, Braves win at 6-2. Ian Anderson went six strong on the mound. Braves played some more long ball, hitting three home runs, got three RBIs from Matt Olson. So a good day for these red-hot Braves and yet another quiet day two games worth of quiet offense for the Marlins. A total of four runs on ten hits in the doubleheader. Tommy Nance got the start for Miami, essentially a bullpen game here in the nightcap, and it did not start well. Folks were just settling into their seats. Very first pitch of the ball game tonight. Tommy Nance to Ronald Acuna Jr. Nance kicks and fires, and Acuna, first ball hitting, hits one deep to center field. Way back, Blade, and Acuna has hit it out to start the game. Didn't waste any time at all. It's a first inning leadoff home run for Ronald Acuna Jr., and it's 1-0 Braves. For Acuna, the first inning leadoff home run, the 26th of his major league career, his sixth against the Marlins. It's his third here in 2022 to start a game for Atlanta. And in his career, it's home run number 22 in 65 games against the Marlins all-time. It's his eighth in 30 games here at Lone Depot Park. So the Braves were off and running with a 1-0 lead. Now Nance settled down after that and did not allow another run as he made it through three innings. Nance, a run on two hits in three innings, a walk, six strikeouts. The Acuna homer, 56 pitches, 31 strikes. Then it was A.J. Ladwig into the game. Ladwig, a 29-year-old from Omaha, Nebraska, who had been in the Tigers organization from 2014 until May of this year when he was released from Double A. 
Marlins signed him, sent him to Pensacola, where he's pitching pretty well, and he was brought up as the 27th man for the doubleheader today. And at age 29, Ladwick got the chance to make his big league debut. He pitched a scoreless fourth inning, keeping the game at one to nothing. A lot of one-out hit to William Contreras, but then got Eddie Rosario into a 6-3 double play. But in the fifth, leadoff double by Marcelo Zuna, runner at second base for the rookie second baseman in his fourth major league game, 21-year-old Von Grissom. And he hits one well. Left center, way back toward AutoNation Alley, and Grissom goes yard to make it 3-0 Braves. Up onto the upper level of AutoNation Alley, a long home run. His second in the majors. 440 feet off the bat of Grissom. And Atlanta had a 3-0 lead at that point. Marlins would get a run back in the fifth inning facing Anderson with two outs and nobody on. Luke Williams tripled into the left field corner. Man in third back to the top of the order and Joey Wendell. And first ball hitting. Bounce one slowly toward short. Barehanded by Swanson. Can't come up with it cleanly. An infield hit for Joey Wendell. Williams scores and it's 3-1. But the Braves got that run back in the sixth inning against Ladwig. One out, nobody on. Matt Olson. 1-0 pitch to Olson is in the air to center. Hit well. Bladez going back onto the track near Alternation Alley. And Olson has hit one out. He's gone deep in all three games in this series. 4-1 Braves. Another long home run to a big part of this ballpark. 422 feet for Matt Olson. So the three home runs... Acuna, Grissom, and Olsen travel a combined 1,304 feet. And at that point, it was 4-1 Atlanta. Marlins would get a run back in their half of the sixth, leading off against Ian Anderson, Jesus Aguilar. 3-1 to Aggie is in the air to center field. Harris is going back, looking up at the wall. Goodbye! Second in the series for Jesus Aguilar, second in this doubleheader, and it's 4-2. Aguilar's 15th home run of the season makes him the Marlins team leader. Now has one more home run than Jazz Chisholm, who's played in 60 games this year and has not appeared for the Marlins since June 28th. It's been about a month and a half since Jazz played his last game. And finally tonight, somebody has hit more home runs than Jazz for the Marlins. Jesus Aguilar had one in game one of the doubleheader. It's his 15th in the sixth inning here in the nightcap. And at that point, it was 4-2. to two. Top of the seventh inning, the final inning for A.J. Ladwig. It began with a hit by Von Grissom, a single to left. Michael Harris, the second, and hit into a fielder's choice. Grissom was erased with Harris at first base and one out. Donnie pulled Ladwig from the game after three and a third innings and 41 pitches. Didn't want him to face Ronald Acuna Jr. again. He brought Waskar Brazobon on. Acuna single to right against Brazobon. After Dansby Swanson to fly ball to right, Austin Riley then walked, and the bases were full for the Braves. Matt Olson batting, trying to put this one out of reach in the seventh inning. 0-2 to Olson is in the air to center field for Bladey. Started back, now comes in, and he won't recover in time. It falls for a hit, and two runs are going to score. 6-2 Braves. Both Harris and Acuna crossed the plate, and Atlanta at that point had essentially put this one out of reach. Now Acuna in... Running the bases in that inning had uh, an issue with his right knee, his surgically repaired right knee. And at one point, the trainer and the manager both went out to check on him. He stayed in the game. But when the Braves came out defensively in the bottom of the seventh, Acuna was replaced in right field 
by Guillermo Heredia, and the Braves announced that Acuna had some soreness in that surgically repaired right knee, so he's taken out for precautionary reasons. He's listed at day-to-day. Acuna, who played all of Game 1 and played the first six-and-a-half innings here in the nightcap on that surgically repaired knee, had to leave with some soreness tonight. So hopefully Acuna is going to be okay for the Braves. The Marlins' righty Brazabon finally got out of that seventh inning, struck out the side in the eighth, and then Anthony Bender started the ninth inning with the Marlins down 6-2 to in this game. He got Michael Harris to line to right. He then struck out Guillermo Heredia, but on the strike three pitch, he flexed his pitching arm a little bit, and Bender was pulled from the game, went straight to the clubhouse. We'll see what kind of an update we get on Anthony Bender post game. Probably one of those things where you're not going to know a whole lot until some testing is done, most likely tomorrow. But that was not anything the Marlins wanted to see. Bender having to leave this game with a potential arm issue. Dylan Floro was called upon out of the bullpen. He got Dansby Swanson to fly to right, ending the top of the ninth inning. So it was still 6-2 when the Marlins came up. Kirby Yates was called upon to try to get the final three outs. They had they used their closer, Kenley Jansen, last night and again in game one of the doubleheader today. There wasn't a save in it at the start of the ninth inning anyway. Yates, the former big league closer before Tommy John's surgery, walked the first man, J.J. Bladey. A wild pitch got Bladey to second base. Charles LeBlanc, though, then grounded out to third base for LeBlanc 0 for 3 with a walk in this game. So LeBlanc's seven-game hitting streak is over, just the second time in 13 big league games. LeBlanc has been held hitless. However, he did draw a walk, so he's reached safely via hit or walk in each of the 13 games he's played in the big leagues. So there was one out with Bladey at second base. Then Jacob Stallings walked, and at that point, having faced three batters, Yates was yanked from the game by Bryant Snitker. He brought Rysel Iglesias in. This is why they got Rysel Iglesias the deadline. On a night when Kenley Jansen isn't available, well, you bring in one of the other best closers in the game to try to lock it down. And he got Lewin Diaz on the first pitch. He threw in a fly ball to right for the second out. But then Iglesias walked Peyton Burdick. And the Marlins down 6-2 to two and down to their final out. Got the tying man to the plate in the bottom half of the ninth inning with Luke Williams due. Garrett Cooper sent up as a pinch hitter. The one from Iglesias, he reaches out and he pokes it out towards center, but making the catch, Grissom, the second baseman out into shallow center field to pull it down and seal the win for the Braves, 6-2. So Atlanta sweeps this doubleheader in the nightcap. The Braves with six runs on ten hits, no errors, five left. For the Marlins, two runs, five hits, no errors. They strand seven. Marlins went one for six with men in scoring position in this game. They were 1-for-10 in the doubleheader, and they are 2-for-24 with runners in scoring position in this series. They've had chances. They just have not been able to cash them in. They couldn't take advantage of three walks in the bottom half of the ninth inning here today. So the Braves win it behind Ian Anderson, who improves to 10-6. and six. Tommy Nance, the loser, 0-1. Rysel Iglesias, his 17th save of the season, 16 is an angel, and now one is a member of the Braves. This one took three hours 12 minutes to complete. The Braves with the victory are 6-4 and four in their 11-game road trip, which wraps up tomorrow. Now 46-19 and 19 beginning June 1st. Only the Dodgers, a better record in baseball in that span. At 69-46 and 46 overall, the Braves move a season-best 23 games over 500 for the first time as they improve to 32-24 and 24 on the road this season. As for the Marlins, they have now dropped 12-15. of 15. They are 11-24 and 24 in their last 35 games beginning July 6th, and at 50-64 and 64 overall, they are season-worst 14 games under 500. The Marlins and Auto Nation working together 
to strike out cancer in our communities again this year. Every time Marlins pitcher records a strikeout this season, $25 be donated to Auto Nation's Drive Think Initiative to support cancer research. Tonight, 11 strikeouts by Marlins pitchers. That means $275 from the Marlins to Auto Nation's Drive Think Initiative just tonight. For the season now, 995 strikeouts. Should hit 1,000 tomorrow. At the moment, $24,875 from the Marlins to Otter Nation's Drive Pink Initiative. All right, so uh, a really tough day yesterday for the Marlins. Uh, we will hear from Donnie now a couple of times. Let's hear from Donnie following the Game 1 loss yesterday. Well, Donnie, since we didn't get a chance to talk to you before the game, just real quick, first off, you know, especially with this being a split doubleheader, mm-hmm. what was kind of the approach with wanting to go with Lazardo game one and, and maybe the bullpen game game two and how the lineup played out? Um, well, Lazardo game one, uh, you want to give him the best chance. So if he keeps us in the game and we got a lead late in the game, you don't want to ran through your whole bullpen and, you know, you just kind of let it go from there. So with him starting, you feel like he's going to give you, hopefully get you into the game and we're in the, you know, in the game and, and be able to get to our back end guys. Uh, didn't quite happen. We were, we were trailing, but our back end, our guys in the bullpen left us there. So I give us a chance to get back in it. But that was the thinking of starting Jesus first game. And then just offensively, you know, you get the, the home run from Aggie. I had some base runners in the in the fifth and sixth, but ended up hitting into a couple double plays. Did it feel like maybe there were a few innings where it's almost like as soon as you got momentum going, you kind of lost it as well? Uh, we didn't get a whole lot going. The the one inning I, that I'm, I don't know which, exactly which two innings, but the one I know we kind of shot ourselves in the foot with a double play ball uh, across the diamond. That's kind of a... Yeah, just not really felt like the guy at third follows his principles first doesn't really and but it's what you get when you get young guys being aggressive and they want to go do something uh just got to stay within your parameters uh, lazardo in the fourth what did you see there and it seemed to be pretty solid first three and then got into some trouble and got you know three runs yeah i think with zeus it, it feels like and, and i don't know if he feels this way but it feels like it's like it's just like he's always working pretty quick and it's like instead of being you know, specific, like I got to get the ball to this part of the plate exactly. It's just more like I'm pounding the strike zone and that type of thing. So it just, it seems like, to me, it looks like he's going fast. I don't think he feels that way, but I think he, he's going fast. Blanc, another hit. Just, it almost seems like he's making it easy. Like, obviously, hitting's not easy. What is it in particular, though, about him that? He's getting his hits, and you know he'll 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 continue to get some at bats through the course of the the year. It looks like, so we'll see. But I think for the most part, I've talked about him. Um, you know, Chuck seems to have a game plan, stay with it. Kind of knows what he wants to do, and doesn't try to do too much. He's pretty relaxed up there. There's not a whole lot of wasted energy. Um, relaxed is always good for hitting. You know, uh, I think. You know, you see the ball better. You, you're, not, you're not all tense up there. It's better. Uh, the Wendell lead-off play in the eighth, bang-bang play there. What did you see from that? And just between Wendell with how well and then the throw from Acuna that got him? Yeah, it's another, for me, obviously, Joey plays aggressive. And 
for me it's one that you're down three, you play the scoreboard a little bit. Uh, we know that Cunha throws really well. We, I mean, we're talking about it in the meetings. This guy's, you know, he's accurate. He's got a great arm. You you got to be, you know, and that's just the spot for me. You got to be sure. And uh, I know it's open game, but have a starter for game two. We do have a starter, um, but we got to make a move. So I'd rather, you know, we'll, we'll do that quickly. Jason can get that to you, and then that that way. So we're going to activate someone to start the second game. Uh, so we got to make a move. Tell me, uh, in a couple hours, you know, kicking off game two, it's also Dominican Heritage Night, a special night for guys like Sandy Lewin. I know it means a lot to them. Just that atmosphere, especially on Heritage Nights, how much do you guys feed off of that and really, you know, the crowd and everybody showing up and, and bringing their flags and creating that atmosphere? Yeah, I think it, it's, it's fun because it's different, right? We get to you know see a different you know like on, on puerto rican heritage night it was you know the drums were out and it's crazy uh and it's, it's just a different atmosphere than, than it's a lot more like winter ball than it is like you, you play here so i think it's always fun there's a lot of energy usually so hopefully the second one is uh that brings the the craziness and we play well early on a lot of aggressive hacks their pitcher i guess doesn't uh, I haven't really went and looked at all of them. I mean, we want our guys to always be aggressive and not let this guy, you know, get to his breaking ball necessarily. But he was kind of in the zone. He wasn't like he was not throwing strikes. I didn't feel like. Um, so, you, you know, again, not seeing a guy, it's a little different. That was Marlins manager Don Mattingly following the Game 1 loss to the Braves yesterday. We fast forward to the Marlins loss in Game 2. Here's what Donnie had to say afterwards. Well, Donnie, just knowing this was going to be a bullpen game, you know, for Tommy Nance to give you three innings, for AJ to come in and give you three innings, just how much do you feel like that, that did help for them to be able to take on a chunk of the game? It helped a little bit. Still, you know, it's one of those games you... <clears throat> You feel like you're managing just to get through it, not try to win it necessarily. Things you have to do, which are not a good way to manage, really. Fender, uh, I think maybe flexing that right arm a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, just what is maybe going on with him, and is it more precautionary than anything? Well, uh, anytime you see a guy out there doing that, you know, it, it really caused alarm. Um, so we took Lee out there. You know, he felt like it was just stiff. You know, he could go, but it didn't, you know, Mel's, like, it's not the right thing. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, I haven't got any report at this at this moment. Um, he only threw a few pitches, so hopefully it's not – he didn't fill it in the bullpen, just stiffened up out there. So anytime a guy's feeling something in his elbow, you worry a little bit. So with this being a bullpen game and obviously, you know, a, a day with a doubleheader, just how you kind of assess – where you are, how you feel maybe about where you are going into tomorrow's game, and especially the pen? Well, to test our depth, let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, ninth inning, base slow to Algie. Still in, and then that play that ended it. It looked like the ball could have dropped and gotten a couple there. Yeah, uh, obviously you're, you're happy your guys kept fighting there till the end. Uh, you know, Peyton getting on, uh, Stahl's getting on. Uh, you know, trying to you know get that thing going. Um, yeah, it's like it's it's funny the games that we've 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 been losing. They're not games that we're getting just like 
feel like you're out of them. You're always in them. Um, and we're, you know, either a few hits or key hits away uh, from from getting either closer to back in them or actually getting there. Uh, but that's always tough when you're always kind of chasing, you know, at, at the end of the day with a couple of guys on. It's it's not the best way to play. It's nicer to play with the lead. With uh, Tommy, I guess, multiple inning guy option for you or is one inning you know, out of the bullpen yeah well obviously he's got the kind of stuff that you know you would think could pitch later in the game um but he's he's a big strong guy he's physical he's got pitches so you do look at him as kind of a multiple inning guy right now but as the possibility of working his way to the back end um i think what we've seen you know, that I know you can't put a number on is there's certain guys that are good for the back end and certain guys aren't. And uh, that's just a matter of maybe experience for, for Tommy moving that direction. So we'll see. Just his outing overall, I mean, that first pitch day. Yeah, I thought, okay, you know, we, we asked a lot. He, he threw, I think, 20-something pitches last time out. He'd been building up. So to go out there and give us 50 pitches in three innings, that's a lot. And, uh, you know, he did a, he did a nice job. He said the first pitch of the game, uh, you know, Ronald got him. But after that, he, you know, he, he kept fighting and, and he kept us there. Uh, with Lagway, what did you know about him coming in and, again, to have him have to go three and third against that lineup? <laughs> yeah, I was asking a lot from him too. But, you know, he did. He was a guy that was built to be a starter. So you knew that he had like 100 pitches if you needed him. Um, what we knew was he, he was a guy that, that had multiple pitches and – Probably a strike thrower, pitchability. He's been around obviously like ten years in the minor leagues, so he's kind of did a little bit of everything. So you felt like you weren't getting a kid who was going to be over the top excited. Uh, and and him, he gave up a couple of homers, but in general, he made pitches. Thought Jake did a nice job of like you know kind of navigating that lineup and some traffic. Uh, but you know, congratulations really to him for getting here and fighting his way. Uh, to the big leagues. Donnie, how difficult is it to balance some of the losing with the development of the younger players at this point? Well, it's frustrating, honestly, but just because it's happened multiple years. Uh, When it happens one time, you know know what you're going through, but when it becomes multiple years of of doing that, it's it's pretty frustrating, I think, to be doing it again. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's just hard. Think part of that's obviously there's been injuries, but then also just in terms of the standings and kind of needing to or being able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's what we're asked to do. You know, that's what we're going to do. You know, that's what we're doing down here. Is you know, they ask you to. You're gonna. We're gonna see what these guys can do. Let them make decisions. You know, going forward. So that's you know, we'll see these guys and and. You know, the good thing about it, you are getting to see J.J. and Peyton and, and Lewin and and really give a good assep- assessment. It's good for them also as their development because it's, it's there's going to be a lot to learn and a lot to digest. This league teaches you a lot uh, what you can and can't do and what you need to work on, and it's very it's, it'll be very specific for those guys as the season kind of winds through because this league's going to let you know what you can't do and then what you have to work on. So until you get here, you don't know what this is. We see it from the pitching side. We see it from the hitting side. Um, But it's all good. 
right? I mean, it's good in the end of, at the end of the day, but it's not great going through it. Donnie, just in case we uh, don't talk to you in the morning, uh, you know, for Braxton, I know coming off of a shorter outing uh, against Philly, but collectively he's been pitching really well over the last, you know, month, month and a half. Just what are you hoping to see from him tomorrow trying to, to challenge this Braves lineup? Yeah, Brax has been very – he's been uh, – I'm very happy with Brax this year. I think this is a competitive kid that's now, you know, kind of converted himself into a guy that can do multiple things with the baseball. Uh, going through the a full season is going to be the challenge for him the rest of the way. Uh, is he going to be able to hold up physically? It's one of the things we think for him is going to – that's going to need to improve is just getting stronger physically, right, and you'll get some weight on this guy. But – uh, what he's been able to do, I think, has been really impressive because now he's four-seam, he's two-seam, he's got the slider, he mixes a curveball, his change-up's part of his mix. He can pitch to all different quadrants of the plate. Uh, and when he's throwing strikes on and getting the ball where he wants to, he's been really good. Um, you know, when he's not getting the ball to a certain area and he's, you know, kind of try to go into the well too many times with a certain pitch and doesn't get it where he needs to, He's given up. They've did some damage, but in general, he's pitched really well. That was Marlins manager Don Mattingly after a doubleheader sweep, or the Marlins being swept in their doubleheader against the Atlanta Braves yesterday. Game four of this series comes your way at 1:40 this afternoon. Braxton Garrett gets the ball for Miami. That means we'll hit the air at 1:10 with the Marlins on deck. And as always, we hope you find some time to join us on the Marlins Radio Network, driven by AutoNation. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.